0: We're going to be in several places tonight. Uh, we're going to try to finish what we started last week on the Antichrist and, and give in some more, uh, dig in and get some more details about him and uh, maybe some things you've never heard before tonight. Daniel, we're going to start in Daniel chapter seven, and then we're going to be in Revelation chapter 13, and uh, we're going to try to finish up in second in Thessalonians chapter number two. All right. And so we're just going to just keep digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. And digging and whatever we get finished, we get finished. Uh, I, I I just kept messing around in Second Thessalonians and, and got a whole nother outline, so we'll try to finish it too, okay? How many of y'all are enjoying the book of Daniel? Amen. 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 I am too. I am too. And everything going on in the world right now, we better pay close attention. Amen? Amen? All right. Daniel chapter seven, and let's begin, let's begin in verse 19. Daniel chapter seven and verse 19. I hate uh reviewing every single week, but I, but I hate leaving people that are new out. Uh, we are going through the book of Daniel. It's a prophetic book. Uh it is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament revelation. And we are learning uh this week about the Antichrist. We are seeing uh dreams and we are seeing visions that God gave Daniel. Uh, to describe to him the way humanity will be laid out, the times of the Gentiles. Say that with me. The. In other words, there's going to be a period of in, in in the human history where where this world will be controlled by Gentiles, not through the nation of Israel or an Israelite king, but the times of the Gentiles. But that's going to come to an end, and Jesus is going to come, restore Israel, and then rule the world. In a thousand year reign. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, before that takes place, there's going to be one last dictator, one last world ruler who is going to conquer the world and try to rule, but it's going to be very short lived and Jesus is going to return. And we know that's the Antichrist. And we find a vision that Daniel had of the four beasts that came out of the, the sea and he specifically wants to know about this fourth one. You know, uh, the first, second, and third one was kind of something he could describe. Uh, you know, one was a, a, a what was the first one? Does anybody remember a lion? Right, a lion. The second one looked like a what? A bear. And then the third one looked like a what? A leopard. Right. And but the the fourth one was a monster. It was kind of indescribable. And he says, I need to know more about this fourth one. So let's look in Daniel chapter number seven in verse number 19. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. I want to know more about the fourth beast, Daniel says, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, in pieces and stamped to the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the others which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom." Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the 10 horns out of the king, this kingdom are 10 what? Kings that shall arise and other shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the most high and shall wear out the saints of the most high and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hands until a time and times and a dividing of times. A year plus two years and a half a year, which equals three and a half years. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for the great crowd that's here tonight. Lord, I, I appreciate everyone that's here. Lord, there could be a million places. But they chose to come out and, and learn and to grow and to study. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you. It's, it's, it's been a, a nasty day, but yet they have come and they're committed. And I pray that you'll bless them for it. I pray, God, that you will just, just give them a double rest tonight for their labor tomorrow. And Lord, just speak to us. Lord, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll touch me. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And God will praise you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. We find here these beasts represent four different kingdoms. Uh, we talked about the first and we said it lined up with the, the image that was seen by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the head of gold, the body of silver, and then the brass, and then the, and the iron, uh, and then the clay. And we, we see all of these represent the different kingdoms of humanity with the Gentiles. Uh, uh, we, we know the Babylonian kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, the Greek uh, kingdom, empire, and then the Roman. And then out of the Roman empire, the Roman empire is not going to totally go away. It's still going to be simmering. It's still going to be beneath the surface. And out of the revived Roman empire, there's going to come a last dictator, a last emperor, if you will, a last world leader that is going to be different than all of the rest. He's going to be more powerful. He's going to be more deceptive. He's going to be more cunning. He's going to be more political. He's going to be more vicious. He's going to be more dreadful. And we know this is the Antichrist. And there are, several, there are several different places in scripture that talk about him. Daniel talked about him. Jesus talked about him. Paul talked about him. John talked about him. And so we're going to look at several different places. We, 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 we talked about the contrast between Christ and the Antichrist last week we 're not going to go into all that. there were several verses we looked up. If you missed it, just go back in the archives and, and and you can watch that and get that again. But we know we know that that the Antichrist is the devil 's version of God the father 's Son, Jesus Christ. If that makes sense, say Amen. He is an imitator. We said the word anti it could mean two things against or Instead of, all right, say that with me against or, and that's what he's going to be. He's going to be against God. He's going to be against the real Christ. He's going to be instead of, this is the devil's counterfeit to the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil's always wanted worship. The devil's always wanted worship from the very beginning. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He said, I'm going to be his God. I'm going to put my throne above the stars. He wants and desires and craves worship in the temptation with Christ. What did he, what did he beg Jesus to do to fall down in what? Worship. worship him. And, and this is going to be his opportunity to get worship from the world. And he's going to use the antichrist to do it. And so here's what I want to do tonight. Let's start with revelation chapter number 13, flip over. To Revelation chapter 13. This is the parallel. Say that with me. This is the, parallel. this is the parallel to what we've read here in Daniel chapter seven. We're going to see something very similar. We're going to, we're going to see, uh, 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 a picture of beasts. We're going to see a sea. All right. Chapter 13, verse one. <clears throat> and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now how many beasts? One, one. Now in Daniel, in Daniel, we saw four, right? Right. And, and so now we see one, we see one, but watch how he's described. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his head, the name of blasphemy and the beast, which I saw was like unto a, wow. Was that in Daniel? Absolutely. And his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a was all them in in Daniel. Yes, they were. And the dragon, we, 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 we discovered who the dragon was last week. The dragon is Satan himself. So, so the antichrist is a human being, a person, a man who is empowered by Satan himself. The dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty two Months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon earth. How many? All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have ear to hear... Let him hear. Now, we're going to see, first of all, number one, I want you to see the wonder of the beast. If you're taking notes, write this down. The wonder of the beast. Uh, we see three different descriptions. The lion, which is the Babylonian empire. The bear, the Medo-Persian empire, which is describing wild ferocity, overpowering tyranny. And then the leopard, which is swiftness. always, the, the Greek empire was known for its, its speed, Its ability to cover ground fast and to conquer fast. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In Daniel, they are three different kingdoms, three different kings, and then you have the monster, which is the Roman Empire and and the Antichrist himself. But in in Revelation, you find John is describing the last world dictator, the last uh, uh, world conqueror, if you will, as having all of the aspects. Of all of human history, all of the dictators that ever conquered the world, that God said would Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Greek, and Roman, the last world dictator is going to have the attributes of all four that we've seen in the past. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. One was known for glory, for riches, the gold, the head of gold. One was known for its ferocity. One was known for its speed. But the Antichrist is going to be the embodiment of all of them. And I, I think you can put it this way. This man, this man is going to be all that humanity can put forward. The best that man, and I'm not talking about immorality. And I'm not talking about in goodness. And I'm not talking about in, I'm talking about. He is going, Satan is going, this is going to be Satan's best. Now, number two, number two, the wound of the beast. Verse three, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after him. There's several ways we can go with this one, one particular, um, one particular Bible scholar believes that the Antichrist is going to be wounded. He's going to be shot. Uh, something's going to happen to him that's going to look like he dies. And he's going to be raised back into, what is that imitating? The resurrection of Christ. And and some believe that that's going to be the, the, the description. You know, the, the false prophet will be able to bring him back. And then all the world's going to be blown away because there's a man that has come back from the... But there's another another school of thought and a belief, too, that they, they really, truly believe that they have an identity of the Antichrist. Now, here's what I want you to read. It is possible, it is possible that the Antichrist will be a man who died and whom Satan will raise up again. Yes, it is possible. Satan's masterpiece of deception will be a clever imitation of Christ. Christ, the seed of the woman, is God's incarnate. The Antichrist, the seed of the serpent, might well be Satan incarnate. As God raised Jesus from the dead, Satan could raise his representative from the dead. For he does have a certain power over death we see in Hebrews two fourteen. By reading carefully Revelation eleven seven, seventeen, verse eight and eleven, it seems that the beast goes into the place of departed spirits and then is raised up out of that place. Now, where does the Bible say that the beast comes from in Revelation? It says he comes out of the bottomless pit. That's the only man. There's only one man that comes out of the bottomless pit. And every, 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 other, every other entity, if you will, demons that are going to come during the tribulation period out of that bottomless pit, there's only one man. And that's the Antichrist. Now, who was that man? Who was that man? Well... In Revelation 17, 8, four things are said of him. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the and go into perdition. This indicates quite clearly that the Antichrist has been on the earth before. There is a striking similarity between the Antichrist and Judas Iscariot. These two only are called the son of perdition. Judas is the only man whom Christ ever called Diablos, the devil. John 6, 70. Judas is the only man of what it is said that Satan himself entered into him. The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. Judas is called the son of perdition. There's only two men in the history of humanity that Satan entered and controlled from the inside, and that's Judas and the Antichrist. Listen, the Bible says when Judas died in Acts chapter number one, Acts chapter number one, if you'll go read it, when he died, this is what it says about him. And it's only said about him, no other person is this said about. He went to his own place. In other words, there's a specific place, a special place, a place only for him. And I, I, I have great friends that truly believe that the Antichrist is going to be Judas Iscariot. That the devil's going to bring him back. He's the most deceptive. Now think about this. Think about this. What is the Antichrist? What is he known for? What is, what is one of his greatest attributes? The ability to deceive. He's coming, you know, we first the very first instance we find in Revelation is there's a white horse rider, right? The first seal is open and here comes a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow in his hand. He's going to be a political figure. He's going to be promoting peace. He's going to be a deceiver. Now who in the world, who in the world was the greatest deceiver that's ever been known to man? Judas Iscariot. Judas lived with the disciples, slept with the disciples, spent time with the disciples every single day for three years, and they had no clue he was the most evil man to ever walk the planet. Think about that. He was so good. Surely, surely, if somebody was that bad and that wicked and that evil, surely somewhere along the line, he would have said something that would have piqued their interest. He would have said something or done something that they would suspect. But do you know what? When, when Jesus, when he proclaimed, one of you will betray me. You know what they all said? Is it I? Is it I? Is it? Not one single disciple blamed Judas. He was so good. He was so deceptive. He was so conniving. That he lived with the disciples under the teaching of Christ for three years, the most wicked man to ever live. And they had no idea. The Antichrist, listen, whether it will be the spirit of Judas or Judas himself, listen, it's going to be interesting. Say amen. Amen. Then we see the worship of the beast. Number three, the wonder of the beast, the wound of the beast, he was, he was on this planet, but now he's not. And then he will be again. <clears throat> the worship of the beast, verse four to six. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power into the beast. That's what it's all about, guys. That's what this whole thing is about. The dragon, who's the dragon? Satan. Because of the activity of the Antichrist, Satan is going to be worshiped. They worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? The whole world is going to be so mesmerized and blown away by this political figure who has come on the scene. And there was given unto him a, a mouth speaking great things. He's going to be able to speak like nobody's business. He's going to be a, an orator. He's going to be a communicator like the world has never seen. But then he's going to be speaking blasphemies against God. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. His, his time is limited. The world falls after them. Daniel eleven thirty one 31 says, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. The warfare of the beast. Verse 7 And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. In other words, he's not just going to be in in Europe. He's going to start there. But the world is going to come against or come after him to to rule and to reign. And they're going to worship him. They're going to think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he's going to rule the entire world. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, if you don't know Christ, you will fall down and worship the beast, the Antichrist, this man. Now, he is going to he is going to fight against God's people. He's specifically the Jews. All right. It says, and from the time of the daily sacrifice, the warfare of the beast, that's number four. The wound, the wonder, the wound, the worship, the warfare. From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh a set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. We're going to get into great detail on 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 the timing when all this takes place in a few chapters. The world market under the beast. There's going to be two things, a mark and a mandate, a mark and a mandate. Not content to control people through religious deceit, the false prophet will institute strong economic measures as well. Everybody will receive a special mark in order to buy or sell. But the only way to get that mark is to submit to the beast and worship him. In other words, the, the mark is not just to be able to buy and sell. It's not just a, 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 a okay, now you have the ability to, to, to have commerce. By taking the mark, you're worshiping the beast. You're committing your allegiance, your worship, uh, your submission to the Antichrist. All right? Surely this is a strong allusion to the seizure worship in the Roman Empire, and the same policy has been used by political leaders throughout history. Uh, I want you to turn with me now to Second Thessalonians chapter number two. So far, So far, we've been talking in types and descriptions and dreams, and it looks like a lion, looks like a leopard, looks like, uh, Paul is going to be a little more descriptive in, in talking the way we talk. All right. Uh, not in prophetic language, but in practical language. And he's talking about the same world ruler. And, and so as we look in, in second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, I want to just you, I want you to just stay right there, stay right there in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number two. But I want to read to you, I want to read to you several verses that should be, I think they're in your notes. Did I put them in your notes, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10? Okay, all right, cool, cool. Watch this. In the first letter he writes to the Thessalonians, he, he says this. And to wait for the son, his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead... Even Jesus, now watch this, read it with me, which, delivered which delivered us from the wrath to come, the wrath to come. Very key right there. Very key. First Thessalonians five, nine, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So first we see he's teaching the Thessalonians. He's saying, look. God has delivered us from the wrath to come. There is a wrath that's coming, but we good. Y'all with me? Okay. Now he's saying there's a wrath that's coming, but it's not for us. Y'all see that? Now watch the next one. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. He said, How are we going to get out of that wrath? If it's coming, what's going to happen to us? He tells you. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be right. called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in thee. There. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, come on, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Everything's going to be. Right. First Thessalonians five. All right. Watch this now. First Thessalonians five. It says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. You don't even need to worry about this. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, put parentheses around that, put parentheses around that. The day of the Lord, say that with me, the, day of the Lord. so cometh as a thief in the night for when they, they, the, they is the Jewish people. Okay. The Jewish people, when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness and that, that, that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What is he saying? He's saying, you don't have to worry about that. Here, here's, here's what I need you to look at. Everybody look at me. We're gonna talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Now, when we go into 2 Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, I want you to see this, verse number one. Second Thessalonians verse number one. <clears throat> Are you there? Now we beseech you, we beg you, we implore you. We beseech you brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ or the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of, who is that? The antichrist, the antichrist, the son of perdition, Who's, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now, ye, that is so gratifying to me that know that the people in Paul's day would not listen to him either. You have no idea how it encourages me to know that Paul taught something that they did not remember. We can give announcement after announcement, after announcement, after announcement. And they'll say, well, I didn't know. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm venting just a little bit right there. That just, that just blessed me. Okay. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Talking about the Antichrist. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. In other words, he's going to be slick. In them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, I really just wanted to talk about the verses that deal with the Antichrist there, but the more I started digging in it, it would be helpful to you to understand the the purpose of the whole letter, first or excuse me, Second Thessalonians. Now, here's here's what I want to do. Write this down. First of all, number one, I want you to see the crippling problem. The crippling problem. He says in verse number two, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be what? Troubled. Troubled. Now, if... Paul writes a letter and says, don't be troubled. What are they? They're troubled. They're shaken. Shaken. Now here, here's what's going on. When Paul was with them, when he was in, in, in the vicinity of Thessalonica, he was there with them. He taught them some things. One of the things that we learn in, in the first letter, first Thessalonians, we learn he taught them about the rapture. He taught them about the the rescuing of God's people. But in in order to talk about the rapture, you got to talk about why they're being raptured. And so he taught them about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Now, I want to read to you some verses. I want to read to you some verses about the day of the Lord. So you will understand the context of why they're so upset and why they're shaken. I mean, they were they were terrified. All right. Now. Here's what I want you to see. Here's here's a few verses. It's not in your notes, just follow along. Isaiah chapter two, verse 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Isaiah 13, six. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both from with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Now, I got a bunch more I want to read, but I, I need you. All right. Here's the day of the Lord. There is coming a day upon this planet where God is going to pour out his wrath on every unbeliever in the wickedness on this planet. Okay, that's the deal. That's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is going to be engaged, if you will. It's going to begin, it's going to start at the the abomination of desolation when the Antichrist walks into the temple in Israel. And he says, I am God, worship me. And he demands the world's worship. In that point, that's the day of the Lord. God will begin to usher out and pour out his wrath upon all unrighteousness. So does everybody understand what the day of the Lord is? Amen. It is the time in the history of humanity where God will supernaturally pour out his wrath upon unrighteousness. He shall pour out his Come on, everybody. Shall pour out his wrath. What did, what did Paul tell the Thess- Thessalonians in, in, in the first letter? We're not appointed unto wrath. We have been delivered from the wrath. to come. Amen. Are y'all with amen. me? Amen. The wrath, the day of the Lord, the time of judgment, the time of vengeance upon this earth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Joel 1 15, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. As a destruction from the Almighty shall it come, Joel two eleven, and the Lord shall utter His voice before His army, for His camp is very great. For He is strong that executeth His word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? Joel two thirty one. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Joel three thirteen. Multitudes, and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Obadiah 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Zephaniah 1.14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath. A day of trouble and distress. A day of Wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities, against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Are y'all starting to feel it? Zechariah fourteen one. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, they Thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken and the houses rivaled and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Acts two seventeen. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Now we're back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, they is the nation of Israel. When Israel is thinking we're good, finally we're at peace. Why are they saying that? Why are they saying peace and safety, peace and safety? Because there's come a world hero has come and offered them a truce and a treaty and has signed a seven year treaty with them saying, nobody will attack you. We will protect you. Who is that world leader? The Antichrist. The Antichrist. He's going to break that treaty and that covenant. We're going to go into more detail later on in Daniel about that covenant too. He said, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day, what day? That That what day? day. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Now listen, so here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Paul. Paul. Has taught the Thessalonians. That there's coming a day. When God is going to pour out his wrath upon this earth. He's going to pour out his wrath upon. Unrighteous sinful humanity. Are y'all with me? The day of the. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's no doubt in my mind. See, he didn't have a New Testament then. I'm sure he probably read to them every verse. I just read y'all in the Old Testament. All right. So he's told them, judgment's coming. The wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. He's going to pour out his wrath and vengeance and anger upon unbelieving mankind. But I got good news. You're not appointed under wrath. Y'all remember them? You're not appointed under wrath. What, let, let's look, let's look. Y'all are looking at me funny. Look here. First Thessalonians 1:10, To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the. Give that verse to the people that don't believe in the rapture. You say, why, how, how do you know you're not going through the tribulation period? Because it's not for me. It's a day of wrath that I've been delivered from. How do you know? First Thessalonians five nine for God hath not appointed us to, are y'all with me? Matter of fact, he went on to tell them, not only have you been delivered from it, not only have you not been appointed to it, it's not for you. God's got a special delivery plan to get you out of it. He said for the Lord himself. Shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, shall be called up together to be with them in the cloud. So shall we ever be with the Lord, Comfort one another with these words. Whoop Church say Amen. Now, so what in the world are they all tore up about? Why are they so upset? Watch this. Here's the crippling problem. A, there's an anticipated day. They know the day of the Lord's coming, right? Yeah. They know the day of the Lord's coming, right? Because yeah. Paul told them that. He, he, he taught them about the day of the Lord. Now, why why is this a problem? Because B, look at their persecution and suffering. Look at that. Second April, that's funny, ain't it? Yeah, I hear you snickering over there. Second Thessalonians chapter or verse, chapter one, verse four. You ready? So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your. Okay. Only five of y'all got a Bible in here. Come on, people. For your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you, which is manifest token of the righteousness judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. They were going through incredible suffering. The Thessalonians were, were, were being persecuted. They were going through immense suffering. And to top it all off, look at chapter two, verse two, chapter two, verse two. When you get there, say amen. amen. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye, might, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. That's what, that's what we're talking about. They are all tore up, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. As that the day of Christ is at hand. What happened? Well, after Paul left, remember Paul's always warning every church he goes to that there will be false teachers coming, right? There's going to be false teachers coming. Well, somebody sent a letter and forged it, a counterfeit letter saying it came from Paul, telling them that the rapture had already happened. And they didn't make it. And because they were going through such persecution. Because they were going through so much suffering. They thought that they were in the middle of what? The the tribulation or specifically the day of the Lord. Y'all see what's happening now? Paul had been with him first and he said, hey, there's a day coming, a day of wrath, a day of judgment, a day of vengeance. God is going to pour out his wrath upon unbelieving mankind. This earth is going to go through hell on earth. But I got good news. Got good news. You're not appointed unto wrath. You've been delivered from wrath. There's going to be a great uptaking. There's going to be a rapture. Jesus is going to come, call your name, and you're going to go up and be with him. So comfort yourselves in that. Everything's going to be all right. Well, he leaves. And false teachers come, and somebody sends this letter saying, You know, the, all this suffering you're going through, all this persecution you're going through, you missed it. The rapture's already taken place. And they thought they were going through the day of the Lord. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's enough to be troubled over. That would have me tore up too. If I knew that I had to go through the tribulation period, if I knew that I had to go through the the wrath that God is going to pour out on this earth, that would be troubling. Are y'all with me? See, you got to know this before you can understand the explanation that he gives and the encouragement he gives. Okay. They thought they had missed the rapture and they were in the day of the Lord. They were in the day of wrath and they were going through the tribulation period. Okay. If we're all on the same page, somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, so secondly, what was number one? We see the scrippling problem, three things that anticipated day. They knew that a day of wrath was coming because Paul taught them that the persecution and suffering they were going through had them thinking that they had missed the rapture and the counterfeit letter that was sent Had them believing they were in the day of the Lord. Okay. Are we all on the same page now? Say amen. Amen. So Paul had to straighten them out. Verse chapter two, chapter two, verse one. Now we beseech you, brethren. He said, I'm begging you. Now watch this. I underlined, if you'll look at, I don't know if you can see that, but I underlined. Now we beseech you. And then I went down to verse two, that ye be not soon shaken. So the whole point of this letter is that they not be shaken, and he says, I'm begging you that you not be shaken. Okay, say that with me. I'm begging you that you not be shaken. Everybody say that. I'm begging you that you not be shaken. Now, now he says, because in between, in between the first part of verse one and the first part of verse two, he tells them about the rapture. He said, this is the reason you don't need to be shaken. This is the reason you don't need to be afraid. This is the reason you don't need to be all upset, troubled and shaken. All right. By the coming of the Lord and our, what? What does the verse say? Our, our gathering unto him. That's the same event. Chapter, chapter two, verse one describes the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to come. How do you know that? Because in 1 Thessalonians four, he said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall what? Okay, so what did, what did verse one say? The Lord will come and we will be what? That's the rapture. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. I want to encourage you by telling you we're not appointed to wrath. We are going to be delivered from the wrath to come. The Lord himself will come and receive us. Say amen. amen. And this, is, this is reinforced in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. were I saw, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come again. come again. And what? Receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So two things. <clears throat> we see the comforting promise. The comforting promise, two things. A return, verse one, and a removal. A removal. And he said, he said, verse five, and I done told you this. Y'all know he said it with that spirit. Remember ye not. That when I was yet with you, what? I I told you these things. (laughs) I told you these things. Now, now, so what do we have in second Thessalonians? We have, they're all upset. We've got this letter. We thought we missed a rapture. We're all troubled. He said, look, man, don't sweat this. There's going to be a rapture. You're not appointed under wrath. You're going to be delivered from wrath to come. The Lord himself shall descend, blah, 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 right? He said, not only that. Now he begins to tell them some things that have to happen before the day of the Lord takes place. Okay, this is the third point. This is is really what I meant to get to the whole time, but I I felt like you needed to know that information to appreciate this. Would y'all agree on that? He said, listen, not only is the Lord coming, Not only are we going to be gathered unto him, not only is that going to happen and keep in mind, it's before the day of the Lord, before the day of the Lord, before the wrath is poured out, before the judgment comes. Are y'all with me? He said, not only is that going to happen, but watch this verse number three. Excuse me, verse two, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letters from us as that the day of Christ or the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for what's the next two words that day, what day the day of the Lord, the day of wrath the day of vengeance, the day of judgment, right? Watch what he says. That day shall not come, not come. It can't happen till, right? It shall not come except, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, In other words, the day of wrath cannot take place till the Antichrist is in place. It really can't take place till the rapture takes place. He said, by the coming of the Lord and our gathering unto him, in other words, we got to be gathering unto him before wrath can fall. And not only that, wrath cannot fall till the son of perdition, the man of sin, the man of wrath, he's got to step forward. Does this make sense? So we're gonna we're gonna see several things here. All right, we see the coming person, the crippling problem, the comforting promise, and it is comforting to know we, we we're out of here. How about y'all? Amen. But then we see a coming person, <clears throat> a coming person. And here's what we're gonna see first. A write this down. First, we see a rebellion. A rebellion. Ooh, we got to hurry. Most of my life, most of my life, I always would read this part and, and, and I would hear evangelists come and and preach revivals and stuff and talk about the falling away. You know, and I, I I've even heard, I've even heard modern day people today, you know, cause we're, we're really back. We're no, no church. I don't believe any church in America is back to full strength as far as the attendance they had, you know, back in, before COVID we was bumping 24, 2,500. Now we had 1,800 Sunday and I was jumping up and down like a banny rooster. I was tickled to death. That's so far away. And a lot of, a lot of people are running around. This is the great falling away. This is the great falling away. The word here falling away means apostasy, but not, not the general apostasy But T-H-E, the apostasy, the rebellion, it is in referencing a specific act that takes place that is a snub in the face of God. And I truly believe he's talking about the abomination of desolation. Now, so first of all, write this down. A, we see a rebellion, a rebellion takes place. Now watch this. Now watch this. This is important. When the Antichrist comes forward, he's not the Antichrist. He's sweet Jim Bob from Lithuania. The political figure who everybody loves. All right. That everybody in the world thinks is the greatest thing since sliced bread. He doesn't step on the scene as as Satan incarnate. He doesn't step on the scene as the son of perdition. He steps on the scene as the little horn who comes from a small and becomes greater and greater and greater. Are y'all with me? He is very deceptive. Remember what we said his greatest attribute is his ability to lie and to deceive and trick. So he's not revealed When he signs the treaty with Israel, they don't know it's him. He's not revealed. When will he be revealed? When the falling away, the apostasy, the rebellion takes place. When he walks into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and says, I'm God. That is the apostasy, the rebellion, the final fist in the face of God. And what does it say in that moment? The nation of Israel, keep in mind, most prophecy is directed toward the people of Israel. They're going to say, "Uh uh-oh, because he will be what? Revealed. We see a rebellion this day. What day? What day? The day of the Lord, which is a day of wrath, a day of vengeance, a day of judgments. When God pours out his wrath upon man, that day cannot happen till first. There's the apostasy, the rebellion. When does that take place? Three and a half years into the tribulation period. At the midpoint when the, when Uh, The Antichrist breaks the covenant with Israel and goes into the temple and says, I am God. When he does that, he will be revealed. He will be revealed for who he truly is. Then we see, not only do we find a rebellion, but we see verse three, a revealing. That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition or the son of destruction. And that moment, in that moment, look what it says, verse four, who opposeth and what's that word? Exalted "Exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is now keep in mind. Oh, mercy. We need a better clock. Our clocks are not working properly. Keep in mind that the temple is the house of God. The temple is where the glory cloud resided. The temple is where the presence of God was there for the people of God. In the city of God that God chose. And he's going to walk in. He's going to say, now bow to me because I am And who he really is will be revealed in that moment. The rebellion, the revealing. Then see, we see a restraint. We see a restraint. Verse six. Verse six, are you there? And now ye know what, what's that word? Withholdeth, restraint. That he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, that word let means to restrain, to hold back, will let, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. Then, then shall that wicked be revealed. What is that saying? It's saying the spirit, the mechanism, Satan's plan, The mystery of iniquity is already at work. It's already happening. It started there. Paul is saying even in his day, Satan's plan is already activated. Just like God's got a plan for this world, Satan does too. And it's already working. Well, why don't the Antichrist just go ahead and step forward? He can't. Because someone's restraining him. Here's here's a a good study. Uh, Cesar and Maria, we we studied this Sunday about Romans chapter one. How many of y'all have heard of the reprobate mind? Three different times in Romans chapter number one, the Bible says God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over. And what that means is he stopped restraining them. Humanity wanted to defile themselves. And and part of that was homosexuality. It's right there in Romans chapter number one. They kept wanting to do things that would defile themselves. They wanted to go into immorality and idolatry. All of these sexual sins. It's crazy. And God finally said, have at it. That's what it means. He gave them up. He let go. He stopped restraining them. He let them go to their own accord, which is is sad because then it leads to what it inevitably leads to. Sin equals death. But God got to the point with humanity. He took the restraint off and said, go ahead. Go ahead and dishonor your bodies if that's what you're going to do. And he turned them over to a reprobate mind, a mind that is godless without God. And that's what this term means. He's restraining. Why does not do, an antichrist step forward now? Everything's in place. It is. Everything's in place. This world, this world right now has never been more ready for a hero to come and calm everybody down than it is right now. And the only reason he hasn't stepped forward and revealed himself is because God won't let him. The Holy Spirit is restraining him. Restraining him. And I believe the mystery of iniquity is this. That slowly over the years, slowly over the time, that God has slowly withdrawn his restraint. Because we're seeing things today we would never see. Never see. Men. Men. Men in college dressed up like women, beating, just destroying women's sports. That is insane. But what is insane is the people that's condoning it. What is insane is that they truly don't understand why you disagree with them. Who would have ever thought, when I was a kid, that would have been totally unheard of. But do you know what God is doing? He's turning them loose. And one day, he's going to be taken out of the way. And I, I, you know, I was looking at that and and digging, 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 digging from last week. You know, I I said last week, we, we, we talked about that, you know, when the church is raptured out, when the church is raptured out, the Holy Spirit's in the body of the believers and he's taken, but it doesn't say he's taken out. And, and that, that was a little misleading last week because you can't get saved without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit still has to convict you so the Spirit will still be here. But he will be out of the... God's going to say. And there's going to be no restraint. No restraint to the wickedness of Satan and humanity. Can you imagine... Then, that day of the Lord cannot come till first we're gathered unto him. Verse one. It cannot come till the apostasy. That's the midway through the tribulation period. That's the abomination of desolation. That is when the Antichrist goes into the temple of God and says, I'm God, bow down, worship me. He will be revealed, revealed. But then I want you to see last of all, I see red. (laughs) Review quick, review quick. A? A rebellion. B? C? Then a removal. Verse eight. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall... And shall with the brightness of his coming. And all God's people say it. If you want to do a little extracurricular activity about that last point, go home tonight and read Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Or if you just want to, sorry about that, if you want to just write it there in your notes. Revelation 19 describes that event when that takes place. <clears throat> Church, say Amen. amen. Glad you came. Amen. Let's stand, everybody. Stand. We're going to just keep on digging. Just keep on digging. See what we find. Next week we'll be in chapter eight. Chapter eight. Now remember. Now remember. It's going to seem repetitive. It's going to seem repetitive. Because the prophecy in Daniel, you remember the key? You remember the key to the prophecy in Daniel? It's repetitive and what? Say it again. Enlarged. Some of y'all are so forgetful. You ready? It is. It's repetitive and then? Now, now if you're just here for the first time tonight, what we mean is you're going to see the same, the same prophecy repeated, but then enlarged. In other words, we see the same prophecy in in, in, in chapter two with the vision of the image of the, with, that Nebuchadnezzar saw. It's the same thing that we're seeing in chapter seven and then eight and 11, but each time it's enlarged or you get to see more stuff. Does that make sense? So technically it is repetitive, but every time you come, you're going to get a little more, stuff. See the first week you got pizza. The next week you got some pepperoni. Then the next week you got some sausage and ham. Somebody say amen. Well, maybe not ham. That wouldn't be too kosher, would it? But we're Gentiles. We can eat what we want. Say amen. Amen. All right. All right. Let's dismiss. I'm I'm kidding. It's late and I'm tired. All right, here we go.